Hey, this is David Perkins, pastor of Radiant Church. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. I hope and I pray that the content helps you grow as a follower of Jesus. We'd love to see you at one of our services on Sundays or maybe at our Bold Conference this summer. Remember this, those who look to Him are radiant. Hey, we're gonna start this new series here. If you've got your Bibles, let's go John 13 today. And here's the vision. The goal is this, we wanna help you take steps in your relationships. I think that we're living in a time right now where relationships can be a bit challenging, meaning there's a lot of pressure in our culture right now. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of, I'm gonna use a strong word today. I think that there's a lot of pain. There's even to the level of hate. And I wanna go after this because when we read Jesus, Jesus contrasts that really strong and the love of Christ followers has to be stronger than hate in the world. The love of the people of God, it's got to be real. It can't just be a common, sweet, smiley morality. It's got to be the supernatural love of God. And so I want us to go after relationships and how it can affect all of our lives. And I don't know if you've ever experienced hate on the inside or if you've seen it around you. I think it's easy when we're around a culture of hate to have it actually grow in us without us even realizing that it exists within us. Woo, David, strong words. Here we go. I think it's easy for it to be in us, and we would never say it. We don't, but boy, when you get down to that pressure moment, you know, like, um, like a tire, you know, that he suddenly hits a curb, suddenly there's some pressure, and it can pop. Or if it hits something that you run over it, and it can, it can pop a hole or something. Whenever there's pressure, it's easier to pop. And right now, there's pressure in our nation. There's pressure uh, in our city. There's pressure around the world in this global pandemic. And right now is the time that you and I have to do inventory on what's going on inside of us. Because when there's greater pressure, then we see what priorities are really inside of us. And so there's a moment where when there's pressure, the marriage can pop. There's a, uh, when there's pressure, the family unit can pop. And it's easy for those people to experience the pain that's inside of you because you're not close to God in a way that you need to be because you want to be in a place where when there's pressure, what comes out of you is love. And so I want us to go after this today. I want us to go after this idea of love being stronger than hate, the, the love of Jesus being in our heart. And it's not just theoretical. It's not just kind of sweet talk. But how do we actually get supernatural love inside of us? When I think about hate, this is a strong illustration. I, I know this is a little, a little rough. But for me, I didn't grow up around, uh, as a kid, a whole lot of hate. I don't think I experienced it. I lived in a pretty protected environment. But as a teenager, I experienced seeing what I would call hate. I'll never forget seeing some teenage kids at my public school. Actually, where we would get on a bus and then a whole mob of kids get off at the first stop so we could get off the campus so that guys that hated each other could actually just go after each other and fight. And you would see in them this hate. And then they'd get on the bus the next day, one of them beat up. And I remember seeing in a locker room, I mean, things I don't even feel comfortable describing because it was so gross and it was so filled with hate. Things that were said, names that were called, honestly, words at that point in my life I didn't even know. And suddenly just like venom, just people saying about people in front of other people and not just to their face, but then behind their back. And there was this culture of hate there was just, I am against you, I hate 
you. And I think that at first it just felt shocking. But a part of my story is, is that a little bit later in my journey as a teenager, I started to experience hate inside of me because when I was violated, when I was around a culture that tolerated it, propagated it, lived in it, without even realizing it, over time, some of those seeds got inside of me. I think that you and I live in a time where we, like a frog in a kettle, have been around a lot of venom, anger, hate, and the only way for us to stand in the midst of this time in our marriages, in our families, in our city, in our nation, and who we want to be as the people of God is not a casual commitment to morality. It's got to be a supernatural experience with the love of God. It's got to be the love of God through us. We will fall short if we just try to smile and be moral. It's got to be God at work on the inside where supernatural God at work, we love people. And Jesus says this in John 13 where he's about to go to the cross and he looks at his disciples and he talks about love. So this is just before then. And I want you to hear this. He says, it's a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Interesting, because you and I know that Old Testament, we got language about love. <laughs> but Jesus here, he demonstrates love. He lives love. He lives this whole different kind of love in front of them. And now he's saying to his disciples, what you've seen inside of me, what you've seen, the way you've seen me love, now I want you to love like I love. And then he says, and the distinguishing mark where people will know that you're my disciples is the way that you love. <laughs> so context 2020 in our world, we tend to think, hey, they'll know you're my disciples by what you post. <laughs> they'll know you're my disciples by what you do. They'll know you're my disciples by what you sing. They'll know you're my disciples by what you wear. But here's Jesus, and he says, they'll know you're my disciples by your love. Love. And I want us to go after just asking the Holy Spirit if you and I are living in a supernatural, self-sacrificing, giving our lives away, God at work kind of love. And what it would look like in your marriage, in my marriage, in your family, in my family, if we lived with a love for others that was God at work, it was supernatural love, really committed to it. I love uh, being a dad. It's one of my favorite things. And uh, I was thinking about this in a, in a family context. If you think about uh, how much joy it brings a parent when you see your kids loving one another, you're just like, yes and amen, right? Like when you see siblings and they are kind to each other, loving each other, you just want to break out in song like, oh, like, yes, this is a good day. In the middle of the quarantine, my son Justice turned 10, and my daughter Adeline, who's 12, decided that uh, since he wasn't going to be able to have all his friends over and do what he wanted to do on his birthday, that she was going to take 
the time necessary to create a scavenger hunt so that we could do it as a family on his birthday. And on his actual birthday, we did this scavenger hunt that covered the entire park that was clues. And then there was a gift at each station. And then you went and you opened up the gift and then justice would go and go to another part of the park and find another gift and then another clue to the next one. And it was it was complex. And we're in the park just hoping that strangers won't steal Justice's gifts, you know, as we like just stare around the park. And, and I just remember thinking, this is incredible, Adeline. Like, what, what? That's awesome. And as a dad, you're just like, oh, such delight. I love this. And then we go inside and Justice, the 10-year-old, has bought the other siblings gifts for his birthday and says, for my birthday, I want to buy you guys the gifts. And I just am like melting like butter, like I have arrived. Like, God, you can just beam me up now. This is the glory. I mean, come on. I, I love this. As a father, you love that. And as a father, you hate the flip side because not everything is all donuts and roses at my house. <laughs> we got stories of kids like literally taking the CD player of another kid in anger and just punting like a football. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's in moments like that where one kid takes the other kid's toy and punts it that you're like, no. So when a kid says to me, dad, I love you, and simultaneously is punting their sibling's toy, (laughs) what goes on in the heart of the father is, if you love me, love the people I love. (laughs) Since you love me, don't just give me lip service and then do what you want to do. No, the overflow of your love for me plays out in you demonstrating love for the people that I love. Really easy for us today to come in and sing, na, 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 whatever song. I love you, I love you, I love you. And I picture our heavenly father saying, since you love me, demonstrate that by loving the people that I love. And we say, yeah, but they... And God goes, no, 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 no. The way that I experience your worship being sincere is in the demonstration of you having my character towards others. Supernatural love, God's love at work inside of us. What does it look like for us to walk with supernatural love? I think that downstream In a culture filled with hate, we tend to think the touchdown, the win, is for me to just be good, just not be bad, just not. But I want to invite you to a higher vision that we read in John 13, where Jesus says to love like he loves. That takes supernatural activity. That, that's a whole different kind of love. In fact, when I talk about the context of even my childhood story, the only way that there could ever actually be a difference in my life or in the life of the people around me was if there was God at work through me. Same is true for me today and the same is true for you today. The win is not to make it through this season. The goal is to be the love of Christ in a dark season. 
where God at work through us, supernatural love. And I want to invite you to think about how that could look in your family. So when there's pressure, supernatural love. In your marriage, when there's pressure, you don't pop, there's supernatural love. How do you get there? What does it look like? How could we possibly actually live? The, how could that not just be theoretical? I think Paul gives us great content here in the famous 1 Corinthians 13 text, and I want to read it today, but I want us to look at it not as beautiful like poetry that we read at a wedding or on a, on a gift card, you know, like a greeting card. I think that sometimes this just feels like pretty language instead of the confrontation that I read when Paul addresses the church in Corinth and challenges them to live at a level higher than they're living. So 1 Corinthians 13, we're going to read through this this morning. Paul gives us great ideas on the idea of love. Here we go. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clinging symbol. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have the faith that can move mountains and do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I might boast, but do not have love, I am nothing. There's a lot here. I mean, right here, this is a church that is walking in some of the very things that Paul's addressing. And I think for you and for me, we look at that and we go, man, if we walked in those things, that would be a big win, right? Like that would be amazing if we had supernatural activity. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, I mean, if I can prophesy, wow, there's miracles. If there's miracle working power, that would be amazing. If I give all I have to the poor, like incredible generosity, if I even surrender my body to the flames, I mean, if I, if I give my energy, my body, if I give my, my dollars, if I see supernatural activity, wow, that would be amazing. But Paul gives us this intriguing idea of if you get all those amazing pieces, and I love those pieces. We've had a whole series on those pieces. Those things we want to be in the church, those things we want to live out. But Paul goes, but if you have those things and you don't have love, you have nothing. He's saying, love is the big win. Love is the central piece. Love is the goal. If you can get those things, but you don't have love, I am nothing. Nul, nada. That's a big statement. I think it's easy for me to kind of think, oh, you can love one another. (laughs) It's kind of easy. Just do a little bit of that on the run. But if we take Paul here and we go, I I, I want to be sincere about this. I I, I want to take Jesus telling me to love like he loved and become the love of Christ to a broken world. Then I narrow in on first things first. And he's saying, great faith, great generosity, even great sacrifice, beautiful, central. If I have those things, but I don't have love, I miss it. It's redefining. Here's the win. Do you guys remember when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl? Yeah. <laughs> I got some, that's the first amen I've got from some of you in two years. There it is. I remember, 
like February 2nd, I'm going to give you just this made up conversation, but let's just say after the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, that there is in the press conference, a conversation with Jimmy Garoppolo, who is the quarterback for the losing team, the San Francisco 49ers. And let's just say that at that press conference, they said, Hey, Jimmy, you did a great job. You made some great throws. Hey, Jimmy, you did a great job. You made some great runs. Hey, Jimmy, you, you had a great game. You scrambled really, really well. Great statistics. You can run well. You can throw well and you scramble well. Jimmy's response right after the game is not, oh yeah, thanks. It's who cares we lost to the world champion Kansas City Chiefs. They're better than us. We lost the game. Patrick Mahomes is better than me. I mean, you know what I mean? Like in that moment, there would be, doesn't matter the secondary things. You can tell me about scrambling and running and throwing and statistics, but I missed the goal. The goal was to win and we lost. For you and for me, we can say, hey, I got some generosity. Hey, I got some, some faith that can do some great things. And Paul goes, oh, no, 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 no. Pull back a minute. Here's the win. It's love. If I do all these things, but I do not have love, I lose. I don't win. And so when we look at really where Paul's at here, it reframes how we think of our lives. It reframes how we think. We start to go, I, I, I have a tendency to applaud gifting, faith, generosity, sacrifice. People can applaud those things. People can't see love. God sees love. And only you and God know the motive and the heart. Only you and God know how that love that sees others and Get so close to God that the love of God flows through you to make a difference in the lives of others. And the beautiful thing about love is that you can, you can, be, you can be as transformed as you decide. Like when you think gifting, there's a ceiling, right? Like, like no matter how much I try, I, I, there's a, as a preacher, I've got a, I've got a certain gift mix. I can try to be like Billy Graham, what's up, six foot five. I mean, I can aim Billy Graham, but there's a certain gift mix that I'm it's just, it's, there's a ceiling. Or you can aim music-wise and go, oh, I got a, a musical gift. There's a ceiling. You got a vision for Chris Tomlin. I mean, even Chris Tomlin's got a ceiling. Like, but when it comes to love, Jesus said, this is the win. Love's the win. And we can actually be transformed to look like Jesus, have the love of Christ, so you've got a track, an avenue, a pathway to a way of transformation to make a difference with your life. And it looks like love. It looks like the supernatural love of Jesus through you, through me. And so you just begin to think, no, see, mother, no ceiling. Mother Teresa said this, we cannot do great things, but we can do small things with great love. Our tendency is to think only great things with great gifts. Reframe, how does God see you have the love of God flowing through you to make a difference? And that love is not just common, casual, sweet, smiley morals. This is Romans 5.5, 5, the Holy Spirit pours out the love of God into our hearts. This is God at work in your life. First John 3 says, how great is the love lavished on us. This great love that we would be called children of God. 
It's this idea of like a foreign love. It comes from another place. When God becomes man and Jesus walks on planet earth and personifies what his father is like and he loves others, it is a love of another world. And he invites us to embody his love, be transformed to look like him so that we love well, so that we look like love to the world. And he, we are, we're his plan. <laughs> His plan right now is that you and I personify love. And in a world filled with division, anger, hate, fighting, it is the role and the privilege of the believer to be the love of Jesus. All right, let's keep going in the text. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. If you read this, when I read it, it's easy for me to go, wow, that's a lot to do. Like a checklist. How hard is it to become that kind of love, David is patient, David is kind, David is not envy, David is not boast, David is not proud. So what's the strategy? How do you get there? If you think of this as a checklist that you're trying to do, it's fundamentally different than if you think of this as fruit, what Paul calls it, fruit in Galatians 5, of a relationship that exists already. If you think in my own strength, I'm gonna try to be kind, be patient, it's very different than if you think, Jesus, you indwell me. I'm walking in relationship with Jesus. Jesus, you transform me. I'm, I, I, just like the disciples walking with Jesus, just like the Holy Spirit comes and fills, up, so we're, uh, fills us, we're in relationship with him. And I wanna invite you to think of it, instead of thinking it like a checklist that I gotta prove that I have love, I wanna invite you to think of it like, a dashboard where it shows this is where you're at. So when you're walking with Jesus and then you experience that pressure moment where you used to pop, but now there's gentleness, now there's patience, now there's kindness, you can go, ah, Jesus is at work in my life. Oh, it's relational. It's not an external checklist. And that's the thing about a dashboard. A dashboard tells you what's under the hood. A dashboard says, here's what's going on. And when those moments come where you have pressure and you personify, personify Christ-likeness, those are the moments where you go, God is at work. I am being transformed. I am actually becoming an expression of the love of God to the world. Great opportunity to be discouraged or encouraged if you get into a checklist mentality. But if you have a relationship and just like a child to the father, you say, I want father to embody what love looks like. One's relational, one's checklist. And you and I, we can look at Jesus and Jesus is patient and Jesus is kind and Jesus is all these things. Jesus does not envy, Jesus does not boast, Jesus is not proud. So in my journey, the best way to become love, to embody that, is to get close. That's why we do 21 days. Let's be with God. Just 
get this discipline inside of you. And it's not the discipline that's the win, but boy, the discipline creates the opportunity for the conversation. The conversation creates the opportunity for the transformation and the transformation creates the opportunity for the ministry of just looking like Jesus, having the love of God. And in this text right here, it says love is not self-seeking. This is hard for us because almost every relational transaction we have is self-seeking, Right? Love's not self-seeking. Think about that. It's easy for us in every relationship to say, I, I, I want this relationship because of what I get out of this relationship. So ultimately, I'm using people to get what I want. And yet the Jesus way is different than the self-seeking way. The Jesus way, the love way is sacrificial, putting others first. Timothy Keller wrote a book called The Prodigal God and he illustrates this idea in that book where he says, it's like a king who has great wealth and his gardener comes to him and out of great love for the king, gratitude for the king, the gardener comes in and says, king, this is the greatest carrot I have ever grown. This is the carrot of carrots. And this is my greatest prize. This is the best I've ever grown. And he brings the carrot to the king and he says, I want to give you my best. And he gives him the carrot And the king, with gratitude, looks at the gardener and says, man, that's awesome. Thank you. I'm so grateful. I'm going to double your land, which will double your wealth. And so he gives him that great gift, only to have a nobleman who's in the room see the interaction, go out and get his greatest horse, his most prized possession, walk and say to the king, I'm going to give you my best horse. This is my prized possession. To which the king replies, you disgust me. The gardener gave me the carrot. You gave yourself the horse. Meaning the motive was what am I going to get? And if for you and for me, It's so easy for us to have that in every relationship. What am I gonna get? I'll personify maybe some nice morality if I get some good things, I get kind of what I want. And we can even be rewarded if we just have a smile and we can use people to get what we want. But that's not the self-sacrificing others first supernatural love of Christ working through his church. The love of Jesus is seeing them. I want to lay down my life. It looks like Jesus. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus is the one who laid down his life. And it reforms your relationships when it's not what can I get through you, but instead it's how can I lay down my life for you? It's how do I give? That is actually what the Father did. For God so loved the world that he gave. And so you and I step into, all right, in every relationship in my life, God, in the midst of a time filled with hate and pressure, I want to embody Christ-like love. C.S. Lewis said, we must picture hell as a state where everyone is perpetually concerned about his own dignity and his own advancement, me me. That's why the, the, the power of the Good Samaritan parable 
where Jesus tells the story about one who had no gain, just laying his life down, the stop in the road to help the man, to give of my transportation, everything that I have, my dollars, take him, and then come back and help him out. It's just one way. I'm gonna sacrificially give to the one. And that's, that's not a self-seeking kind of love. That's a lay my life down kind of love. We'll close with the last little bit of this text. Love never fails. Where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there's knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put my childish ways behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, and then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Love demonstrates spiritual maturity. This is what Paul's saying here when he talks about, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But now that I've become a man, I put the, my childish ways behind me. And he looks at the church in Corinth and he says, this love thing, this is grown up stuff. Like, I want to invite you to the grown up table. <laughs> you know, but what I find in our culture is they don't look at it as you laying down your life for others as grown up. They look at it and say, you're not in touch with reality. You don't understand the severity of the situation. You're disconnected. You're ignorant. You're dumb. But you know, the older I get as a preacher, the more I realize that the preachers that I really esteem, <laughs> most of them are old. <laughs> and they've become love. They've, they've, they've stepped into a maturity. Grown-up table is love. Grown-up table is, we don't have to fight about this. I don't have to have hate. This doesn't have to divide us. I don't, I don't, I don't have to get my way. I can put people first. I can put my wife first. I can put my kids first. I can put my neighbor first. I can put others. I, there's just this transformation where it's not all about me. Self-seeking, my agenda, I'm gonna use what I have to get up in the world, my comfort, my attainment, my goals, my agenda. There's a self-sacrificing love, greater love is knowing than this, they lay down their life. This is how they'll know that you're my disciples if you love one another. And so I look at my journey. And I think about when I was 23 and I first graduated from college, stepped into ministry and my heroes were really talented and famous, gifted. 20 something years, 20 years later, shifts. It's, it's, these, it's these leaders that look like love. Really hard to get in a culture that applauds gifts, applauds what's seen. But your father applauds love.
Your Father sees you being transformed into the image of Christ, you becoming an expression of love, and goes, now that's the grown-up table. That's maturity. Christian love in the middle of a world filled with hate is spiritual maturity. And it's not our obligation that we hate. It's the privilege that we have as followers of Jesus to be not responding like everybody else responds, but to respond like Jesus. So let's just commit to it. What does it look like if Radiant Church says, we want to become a loving people? It's not just a commitment to kind morality. It's higher. It's the supernatural love of God transforming me and flowing through me and my generation. In 2020, in the middle of a global pandemic, love marks the people of God. We bow our heads and let's pray together. Father, we ask in Jesus' name that you would mark us. Holy Spirit, we need you. This is so countercultural. Help us to love like you love. Help us to live like disciples that show the love of Jesus to a world that so desperately needs Jesus. Would you take a moment and would you just give one area of your life that the Holy Spirit's highlighting right now? Maybe it's an enemy. Maybe it's a family member, a spouse, child, a parent, a friend, a neighbor, coworker. Just say, God, help me to love like you love. My life be marked by love. And whether you're in the room or if you're online, and if today you say, I want love like that. Maybe it's to make a decision to follow Jesus for the first time. Maybe it's to rekindle a decision that you've let grow dormant. But you want to be a follower of Jesus. Would you just pray this prayer? This isn't the only thing that you say to God, but this is a good first thing. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus and I surrender my life. Save me. I give you everything. I surrender. I belong to you. I don't want to go my way. I want to go your way. Come and give me a new start, new life in Christ Jesus. I give you everything. In Jesus' name, amen.